0: From the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast, and I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God.
1: Our first scripture is from Exodus Chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, which can be found in your pew Bible on page 60. Listen for and hear the word of the Lord. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt... The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. Few have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out, and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, "'Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, "'Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining.' "'And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, "'they looked towards the wilderness, "'and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. "'The Lord spoke to Moses and said, "'I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. "'Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat.' And in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Before I read the second text, I'm going to invite all the children who would like to participate in godly play to meet Miss Sarah Kate and Miss Katie up here at the front. So great to have you in worship. So great to see so many of you. Carrying your Bibles. All right. So thankful to see so many of you. Have a wonderful time in godly play. Our second text this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. It's been with us for the last several weeks. The sixth chapter, verses 7 through 13, a portion of the Sermon on, on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching the disciples about the ministry of prayer. He says, When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then in this way Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open this word afresh to us this day so that we would be changed that we'd be challenged, and that you would know of our hunger for you and for your mission and your goodness. We'd ask that you would even make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Throughout the scripture, bread often symbolizes what is necessary for life to be both sustained and satisfying. In fact, in the scriptures there's over 500 different references to bread. And they mean different things within different contexts. In the text that Tad read for us this morning, Exodus 16, The Israelites are in their second month of of freedom following God's liberative intervention, releasing them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And as their wilderness journey uh, is ongoing, uh, Old Testament scholar Beth Tanner reminds us that these folks are wandering in some of the most arid and barren real estate on the planet. To survive, the people will need to learn to depend on God for everything. And sure enough, that is what they do. After a few complaints here and there, and more complaints to come, God continually proves that God will provide for everything that they need. And in this particular story, it's a physical need that the people of God have. Bread, in this context, means literal food. God brings down manna from heaven releases quail in the midst of the people, and they are satisfied. They have everything that they need to be physically satisfied and sustained for their living. But also in the Scripture, bread does not just represent what satisfies us physically. It also comes to represent what satisfies us spiritually as well. Remember, prior to the launch of Jesus' public ministry, he went into the wilderness for a retreat, a time of prayer and preparation, a time that included 40 days of fasting. He was coming to the end of that fast when the tempter intersects him and says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered the tempter by saying, one does not live by bread alone, but but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What we discover in this particular instance is that the sustained and satisfied life is not just achieved through the material of this world, but also through the spiritual food that nurtures us, that sustains us, and satisfies our soul. When the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, That night of of Christ's birth, the heavenly hosts, you remember we just read this text not too long ago in December, the heavenly hosts declare to you as born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Christ, who is the Lord. The city of David, of course, is the city of Bethlehem. And some of you know this, the name Bethlehem literally translates from the Hebrew as a house of bread. Bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. And from this house of bread, we discover that the bread of life will come. From the house of bread, the bread of life will emerge. Jesus himself uh, declares that, that as one of his titles after he feeds the 5,000. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty And so what I'm trying to say is is that when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, when we pray that line of the prayer, we realize that we are asking for that which is physical and spiritual to sustain and satisfy our lives. It's not just physical bread, but it's the spiritual bread that we long for as well. It's what we pray for when we pray Give us this day our daily bread. So we're in our sixth week of our sermon series on the meaning and efficacy of prayer. And throughout this series, we've taken a line, a single line of the Lord's Prayer, and we've asked a set of questions to that line. And so I want to begin a little bit out of order from what I've been doing before, but I want to begin with one of those questions and ask it Of this particular line, give us this day our daily bread. And the first question is this, how does this line, give us this day our daily bread, how does it invite us to transparency with God? How does it invite us to be more honest with God, to tell the truth about ourselves to God in prayer? Several years ago, I led a a trip of high school students to an orphanage in Ensenada, Mexico. Uh, The children that came to live there had parents in prison or parents that had died or parents that simply had abandoned them and gave them up to the streets. Many of the children who lived at this particular orphanage came from the streets, some as young as six, seven, eight years old. The directors of the or- orphanage on our orientation and, and our group orientation explained to us that, that when the children move in, it's, it's oftentimes the case that when they have their first dinner, when they have the first dinner with the other children, that they take some tortillas and some candies that they may receive for dessert and they put them in their pockets and they go back to their bunks for their first night of sleep at the orphanage and they put the bread and they put the candies under their pillow. This is something that some foster children experience as well. They haven't yet built a trust for the directors or the kitchen staff or their foster parents. And history has told them that they shouldn't count on the fact that there will actually be food tomorrow. And we can understand why a child would feel that way. We can understand why a child would do such a thing. We understand why they would put bread under their pillow. But what we might not understand is why we do such things. Why do we do that? For sure, some of you, within the sound of my voice, have experienced life similar to the way that, that these children have experienced it. That you've been on the precipice of hunger, that you have been on the edge, and you are wondering where it is the food going to come from. Some of you have experienced that. But I also assume that many of us haven't. We don't know what it's like to be that child because we have so much and have been blessed with so much. And so we might want to ask ourselves, why are we living as if this is our narrative? Why do we live as if we're like these children, not knowing where our daily bread is going to come from? God has and will give us everything that we need. And God gives in abundance And yet for so many of us, we're addicted. I use that word on purpose, addicted to worry. We're addicted to fear about the future. And so we have a hard time praying, give us this day our daily bread, because we are fixated on tomorrow. And we're fixated on the day after that. So much so that we often miss the gifts of the moment. The gifts that are right in front of us. And we miss the opportunity to be grateful for everything that God has given to us. That God has already provided. And so when we pray this prayer, we actually have an opportunity to tell the truth about this propensity in us. It's part of the human condition. That's why Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own, but seek first the kingdom of God right now in this very moment. But far too often we follow the spirit of the age, which is trying to convince us that resources are scarce, that we don't have enough, or that we aren't enough. We so often confuse needs and wants we build bigger barns and have a hard time giving our time and our talent and especially our treasure away because we ask ourselves what if i need it tomorrow now obviously there is wisdom in planning ahead there's a certain measure of faithfulness that that comes in saving for retirement or or planning for a new addition to the family or saving money for an apartment or, or for a down payment for a house or for college or for a car. Or the capacity to contribute to your church's capital campaign if there happens to be one. But the planning that pleases God, the planning that pleases God, I think, acknowledges that God's providence is the source of every good Gift. The planning that pleases God acknowledges that we cannot serve God and money. The planning that pleases God produces joy and gratitude and generosity and a deeper trust in God. If planning for the future does not produce joy in your life, if planning for the future does not produce gratitude, in your life if planning for the future does not produce generosity in your life or a deeper trust in God if if it produces anxiety and fear and makes you generally more unkind and stingy and unbearable to live with then perhaps you have some room to grow in understanding what it really means that God will give us this day our daily bread When we pray this line of the prayer, we have an opportunity to be honest and transparent that we don't always trust that this prayer will actually be answered. And so we confess that we do fear the future, that we do worry, and that we neglect to acknowledge and see everything that God has given to us that's right in our hands already. The second question is that we're invited to consider how this line of the prayer invites us into a deeper intimacy with God, what we come to know of who this God is as the providing God. There was a 10-year-old boy who uh, asked his his father to throw a baseball and play catch after dinner. His father said, sorry, son, I have to go back to work. I have to go back to the office. Your baseball camps uh, won't pay for themselves. When the boy was sixteen, he asked his father to help him study for the SATs. His father said, Son, I have to get back on my computer and I have to I have to work. I gotta make money to pay for your SAT prep course. When the boy was twenty-three, he called his father on the phone and asked for his advice as to how he ought to propose to his girlfriend. The father said, not now, son. I have to take a call for work. Got to make a living, you know. After all, who's going to pay for the rehearsal dinner when the wedding comes? Of course, what the boy wanted was his father in the moment. The boy wasn't thinking about the future. That's all the father cared about was the future. That he missed the moment that was right in front of him. And I want to say something. And if you don't remember anything else, remember this, God is nothing like that Father. Although some in the faith would want to say that that redemption is only about the sweet by and by, that redemption is only about what happens after you die, that redemption is only about our future in heaven, and to be sure, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has guaranteed that our eternal salvation is secure There's nothing to fear beyond the grave because of what God had accomplished in Christ. It cannot be undone. But that we would be invited to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need to live a sustained and satisfied life in real time means that God cares about the moment. God cares about the moment, that the hunger you feel right now, that God cares about that, that God wants to meet us in the moment. And so may we not be reluctant to go to God and to pray and to express our hunger for this God provides. Look, if you have to be like the Israelites and complain to God, do it. Complain. Say, I'm hungry. God hears those prayers and God gives us everything that we need. As the scripture says, cast your care upon God, for God cares for you in the moment, right now. Which brings us to the final question, and I'll close with this. How does this line of the prayer invite us into the activity of God? How does it invite us to what God is doing in our lives and in the life of the world? Friends, you know this to be true. There is real hunger in the world. There's real hunger in the world. People are hungry. There's hunger for that which sustains and satisfies us physically for food and medicine and clothing and shelter. There's also hunger for that which sustains and satisfies us spiritually, internally, purpose and friendship and companionship and love and community and a sense of belonging sense of reconciliation, the gifts of faith and hope and and love. There's also a hunger in the world. There's a thirst for righteousness. There's a hunger and thirst for the good, for peace, for freedom, and for justice. The world is hungry in so many ways. And part of God's redemptive work is to satisfy hungry bellies and hungry spirits. And more times than not, God works out God's redemptive purposes through God's people. I want to take your imagination back to the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Many of us know this story. We learned it in Sunday school. Jesus takes a little kid's lunch, five loaves of bread and two fish, and he multiplies it and makes it into a feast so that everybody was able to eat and be satisfied. In Matthew's account, there is a powerful line that I don't want us to miss. He says this, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then, pay attention to this, then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. He gave them to the disciples and then the disciples gave them to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. It just might be that when somebody prays, give us this day our daily bread, it might just be the case that you and I are part of the answer to that prayer. The church's ministry shares in the redemptive work of Christ, the bread of life who gave himself up for the world, and God has put us in charge of so much. And part of our call is to pass on the bread, is to share the bread the way that that volunteers who are making and purchasing lunches throughout this pandemic have done for our most vulnerable neighbors. The way that that prayer has been answered by God's grace through water purification systems and food pro- programs with our partners in Haiti and Cuba and Brazil, Jamaica and Kenya. The prayer is answered by a Stephen minister who walks with someone whose heart has been broken. The prayer is answered by a school teacher who uses her spring break to serve those devastated by a natural disaster. The prayer is answered through our financial generosity to this church and our financial generosity to this capital campaign as we prepare for our third century of ministry. This prayer is answered by being a mentor for a confirmation student or a volunteer youth group leader. It's answered here, right here, and right now in worship when, when someone who's been running from God comes to this place and is finally ready to allow God's love to bring them home. If part of the activity of God is to satisfy and sustain our physical and spiritual needs, then we have to ask ourselves, might we be part of that provision? And what would it mean for us to be part of that provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Friends, how might you and I in this church be an answer to someone's prayer? Amen.